0: Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. This week, I sat down with a friend of mine over um, fruit, fruit cup and coffee, and uh, the fruit wasn't that good honestly. But the conversation was wonderful and spirit-led, and and he challenged me, you know. He 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 told me, he looked me straight in the, and this is why I love him, because he's honest with me. He said, Eben, your God is too small. Your God is way too small. You see, we were talking about the resurrection of, of the dead, and you know, just as I was being honest with him, I'll be honest with you guys. When I was reading this week stories from um, the scriptures of the dead being raised out of the grave and coming back to life and my own life experience losing people that I love and hearing the great, um, you know, pillars of of faith in and, and Smith Wigglesworth, raising, raising the dead in the, in the 1800s, and even in our modern day when we hear stories of the dead coming back from the grave, coming to life, you know, in, in places like Mozambique with uh, uh, the bakers over there with Heidi Baker. It, I, I must admit before you today, and as I admitted uh, before my friend the other day, that I'm, I've grown a bit cynical. You know, I think I have grown senior. I've grown cynical as I've gone through. And it just required, the Holy Spirit just in that moment required me to repent and say, yeah, have I made God too small? Because here's the thing, that everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. I mean, if we don't have that, we have nothing. 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 And so over the course of the past couple of weeks, through uh, the season of Lent, the, the 40 days leading up to Easter, we've decided to really focus on this aspect of resurrection. And Bridget spoke last week and shared on the difference that resurrection makes in our lives, that resurrection does make a difference in our lives? And if so, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean for us? George Barna, who's a, a popular pollster in the United States, um, polled near millions of people, a huge sample size, and found out that among um, evangelical Christians in the nation, that 92% of them confess that um, Jesus makes no difference difference whatsoever in their lives 92% really and so the resurrection is important for us to spend lots and lots of time thinking about but also fleshing out what it means to live from that place to live from a place of resurrection And so, my thoughts this morning are connected to being a people of the resurrection. From a a community standpoint, Vineyard Cleveland locally, uh, the Vineyard Movement nationally, the Big C Church, Presbyterians, Methodists, non denominational, Baptists, Pentecostal, Charismatic, wherever, the Big C Church, that we are. Our prime identification is with the resurrection of Jesus. That is it. It really is. It really is. I mean, why why else are we gathered here? If Jesus isn't alive, then why are we here, really? It doesn't make any sense. The The thing that centers us, the thing that unites us, the thing you are sitting next to people this morning who... In normal life you would have no business being next to. Really, truly. You have nothing in common with them other than that there is this Jewish guy back in the day who raised other people from the dead and was the son of God and died for your sin and my sin on the cross and stayed dead in the grave for three days and then the power of the Holy Spirit raised Him to life again. And that's the only common denominator. Do you realize? That's what we're centered around this morning. And why we come back? Because Jesus is alive. Because we are the people of the resurrection. Philippians 3.10 says this, that I may know Him... In the there it is, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Interesting, Paul puts resurrection and sufferings in the same phrase. You you cannot have resurrection without a grave. There is no resurrection without the grave. And so we're to know Jesus, to really know him in the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings. You know, I hear in that Jesus' um, heart, his desire. I hear Gethsemane in that. I hear um, in his sufferings. I hear the cross in that, and, and then the power of the resurrection being raised from the grave. You know, there's this story of uh, Smith Wigglesworth. He was a revivalist back in the day. Before that, he was a plumber. So God can use anyone. He really can, and he will. Everybody gets to play, truly. And Wigglesworth knew. In fact, one of, some of his last words before he died were just like, blot my name out, as long as nobody knows my name. As people know Jesus' name, that's what's important, that people would know Jesus' name, not the name Wigglesworth, that that would be erased from history and that Jesus' name would shine. Well, one time uh, Wigglesworth was invited to some town in London and, uh, to, to preach, which he often was, and uh, while he was there, um, I believe it was the, the hometown preacher's wife or cousin had passed away while he was there. And so, during the course of his stay in this town, uh, the funeral took place. And Wigglesworth went to the funeral, you know, as a source of comfort for this pastor and his cousin or his wife, I forget who it was, you can you can look it up. But they go into the, the funeral parlor, I guess, at that time, and this is in the 1800s, and, and he, Wigglesworth breaks off from the crowd and goes to the casket while the family is all outside of the parlor just talking and maybe munching on snacks or whatever. (laughs) And Wigglesworth opens the casket apparently and everybody who's in the hallway all of a sudden hears this thud. And you know they thought it was odd and so they you know, continued on with their conversations. And then like 30 seconds later, they heard another thud. And they're like, what is going on? So they go in there and they see Wigglesworth with the dead body. Picking it up from the floor and pinning it to the wall. And saying, in the name of Jesus, come to life. And then he'd take his hands off and one more time, thud the dead body, like, crumples to the ground. And finally, he does it again. So he, get, he gets after it. He, he takes the dead body and he pins it to the wall, you see. And he says, on the authority of Jesus Christ, live. And all of a sudden, the dead body becomes alive. And the person starts walking around the room. Hey, <gasps> breath returns to their lungs. And if I'm to be honest, this morning, some of you guys are starting to smile. (laughs) That requires something from me. Yeah. (laughs) Yep, Silas gets it. That requires something from me that that feels scary, that feels out of my depth. That feels. Um, it feels like it calls uh, the critic out in me. You know, anything to disprove. Well, that. Mu- well, the body wasn't really dead. They put it in the cat. Well, there must be some other. Re- you know, all of the the ways that we use uh, our intelligence to justify out resurrection power. Right. All of those ways that we, that we use to justify um, what is and what is not possible. And my friend looks at me across the table and says, Evan, your God is too small. Right. Resurrection power. To know Him in the power of His resurrection and in the fellowship of His sufferings requires us to be hungry, to be thirsty. Wigglesworth said this, Jesus is resurrection. And to know Jesus in this resurrection power is simply to see that you have no more to be dead but alive unto God by the Spirit. These two words, Jesus and resurrection, Wigglesworth says, go together harmoniously. You can't take them, you can't separate these two words. And we are called, Vineyard Cleveland, to be a people of the power of the resurrection of Jesus. And that only happens when hunger and thirst, also a movement of the Spirit, but when that hunger and thirst develop in us. We, uh, in the negative, we would say we will not see the resurrection of the dead, both spiritually or physically, until we're hungry and thirsty to see it. It will require something from us that we don't possess, naturally. But this is where the movement of the Spirit comes in. Because it's a work of His Spirit. Resurrection is a work of the Holy Spirit. Paul says it's by that same power that re- raised Jesus from the grave that lives in you. That's the same power right there. The same power that quickened the body of Jesus, that brought, that animated the body of Lazarus is the same spirit that lives in you and I if we claim Jesus as Lord. Gosh, what is that? What is that? And I think I'm living in in a day where I just, that makes me hungry and that makes me thirsty for more of Him. That gives me a sense of assurance that I... That it's good for me to want to see the dead raised to life. It's good for me to see the, um, every aspect of resurrection working out in every aspect of my life, in every aspect of your lives, in every aspect of the city we live in, in every aspect of the world which we live. That resurrection power would reign in our, te- in our day, in our time, over the earth as, as the waters, right? in Habakkuk, Habakkuk? As the waters cover the sea, the glory of the knowledge of the Lord. That's resurrection life, is the glory of the knowledge of God. That is resurrection life. Covering, that's his heart. That's his heart. That's Jesus' heart. And you'll know, I'll know, that you're hungry or you're thirsty. Well, you'll know here at about 1230 when it's time to go out for lunch at Mission Barbecue or something, you'll know, but you'll know you're hungry or thirsty when there's nothing else in the world that fascinates you or can hold your attention. That's when you know hunger is growing. You know, I used to get up here and tell all these stories about fly fishing. I love fly fishing and, um, and there I go talking about it. I love fly fishing, but the truth is, is I haven't been fly fishing this year. It's a gift. I've been once with my brother, but um, it's a it's a gift and a treasure um, just to step away from like pastoring for a second and to do something really monotonous and rhythmical. And I'm just fishing. That's all I'm doing right now. It's just restful for me. Um, but wouldn't you know it, God took the joy out of fly fishing too for me. He's like that. He's a jealous lover. And I remember it very clearly. Um, I'm fishing, and I hook into a really nice fish. I mean, it's really nice. Really big fish, probably 10 pounds. And very clearly, the Holy Spirit was like, uh, so is this real fun for you right now? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, uh. How many outcomes are possible here mathematically really you're you're either going to catch it or you're not That's really exciting, isn't it Evan i'm like i'm like n- no, it's not that's not really exciting. that's not real life um I would tie flies, the lures that I would use, in my basement and just be down there and tying hundreds of flies and stuff. You know, I went down to tie some flies before my brother and I went fishing together. And wouldn't you know it, God took the joy out of that one, too. Through Tying yarn around and some feathers... Hey, Eb, this is real fun down here, isn't it? In the, in the basement, all by yourself in the dark. You're having a lot of fun right now, aren't you? Separated from your family, who's upstairs, living life, being joyous together. Super fun, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, the, like the emotion wasn't there. I was like, all right, all right. You know, and I leave and I go You'll know when you're getting hungry and thirsty when nothing else will hold your attention or fascinate you or captivate you. And what I find in my journey is fly fishing, hey, in its proper place, that's fun. Playing soccer on Sunday nights, a lot of fun. But it ain't Jesus, and it'll never be. It'll never be the presence of God for me. And the second that we start to slide these things into into the into the whole position that Jesus is supposed to be in they lose all joy you know Jesus is so faithful and he's kind so he'll take those idols from us if we'll let him and then we have to deal with like the the emptiness of having filled that place for God that um, we filled with an idol before and when we sit with that for a moment he's so kind you guys he'll just flood presence in And make you just ruined for anything else fly fishing, shopping, money, whatever, ruined. And he just fills that space in your life to overflowing and makes you hungry and thirsty. And that's resurrection life. That's the power of the resurrection in you. Overflowing, you know, overflowing in your life to where you can't help but keep it in bubbling up, bubbling up over, where you just, you can't keep it in. It's real life, and we're doing resurrection life together here at Vineyard Cleveland. We are presence people. We bring, the sign that out there, bringing life to the city, that's what we're all about. Well, what kind of life? We're bringing resurrection life to the city, and we can't bring resurrection life to the city Unless first we are resurrected from the grave and we're living from a place of the power of the resurrection. So that's the question. Are, we, are you living from a place of the power of the resurrection of Jesus? And if we're to do this, we must be hungry. We must be thirsty to taste and to see and hunger. When it comes to immersing ourselves in the Scriptures, worshiping long and often, praying for one another. When we gather, that's the lab. That's where resurrection life is tested and nurtured, and that's how we become all that we're supposed to be in the Lord. When we gather together, the Scriptures are really clear. We're to do three things. Well, four, if you count breaking bread. And we're to do these three things. Every time, not just sometimes, every time, we're supposed to open the Word of God. We're supposed to open the Bible and read it. And we're supposed to worship together in song, to sing to the Lord, to minister to Him for no other reason than He's worthy and glory comes And the third thing we're supposed to do is we're supposed to pray for one another. And the writer of Hebrews is really clear. We're not to give up the habit of meeting together. Our gatherings are centered in resurrection life.